Welcome back. Uh, today we're going to be talking about Akavya ben Mahalalel, who is the Tana mentioned in the beginning of the third parak. Um, let's first uh, read uh, inside what Akavya ben Mahalalel taught, and then we'll talk a little bit about Akavya ben Mahalalel and try and see if we can draw a connection to what we know about him and what he taught in this Mishnah. So Kavi Ben Halala taught his takel A person should focus on and look carefully um, at three things. And if you look at these three things, you will not come to, uh, it will not lead you to sin. You will avoid um, uh, sinning. What are those three things? You should know from where you come. A person recognizes from where they come then they'll realize they have nothing to be haughty about. And most understand that the mission is referring to the attribute of, of haughtiness, which is ultimately what leads a person um, very often to sin. Um, and where you're going, where you're headed, where you're going to end up, which we know Mishnah elaborates in detail. Um, after 120, a person uh, is buried uh, to a place of, uh, of Rima and Soleya. Um, and if a person thinks about that, it will also um, prevent him from uh, sin. And finally, uh, after 120 years, and before whom you will have to give an accounting, a din v'cheshben, for all of your deeds. Uh, and the Mishnah says, before Hashem, now, why did Akavi ben Mahalala say what he said? Another interesting thing is, why is he not referred to with any title? We know that, at least um, in the second parak and towards the end of the first parak, um, they were all given titles, Rabban, Rabban Gamliel. And over here, Akavi ben Mahalalel is referred to by his name. And we mentioned in the earlier shiurim, on the first parak, that actually the Tanoim and the sages in the beginning were not referred to by title until, until Rabbi Gamliel. We had the Zugos, were all referred to by name, Yeshua ben Prachia, Nittai Arbeli, Hillel So that actually gives us a hint that Akavi ben Mahalalel lived in the earlier part, um, and therefore uh, in the earlier periods, and therefore he was not given a title. He actually lived in the time of the second Beis HaMikdash, uh, the second temple, which uh, some say was around the time of Hillel, who also did, was not given a name. So the fact that he lived during the uh, existence of the second temple will help us also understand a question that many of the commentaries uh, struggle with. And that question is that we already had, in the beginning of the second parak the exact same language of Rabbi Yudha Nasi, of Rabbi. Rabbi said, same thing. He said, if you focus on three things, you will not come li de'avera. But he focuses on three completely different things. He doesn't mention the same things as a kavi ben Mahalala. And why is that? What does Rebbe say? Rebbe says, first of all, um, you should know what is above you, Hashem, of course, God. Ayin roya, a seeing eye, he sees everything that you do. Ozen Shamas, he hears everything that you say, you speak. 
And all of your actions and your deeds are written and there's going to be an, there's going to be an accountability. So, actually mentions one of the things that are in common with Rebbe, because he does say, you should know before who you're going to have to give an accounting, which effectively encapsulates what Rebbe said, but there were two other things that Kavim B'Mahalala mentions that Rebbe does not mention. Um, namely, know from where you come, and know where you're headed, so why is it that they both start off saying that focus on three things, and they say three different things? Do they disagree? Uh, what's going on here? So to explain this, let me give you some background about Akavi B'Mahalalel. Aside from living during the time of the Second Temple, and we explain that's why he wasn't given a title, um, there's a Mishnah Idias, Masech to Idias, that explains as follows. It says that there were four things that Akavim B'mahalal held firmly on, Lahalacha, and the Chachamim disagreed with him. And the Chachamim, uh, trying to get him to um, uh, agree and relent to their opinion, said, Chazorbach, uh, retract that which you, your positions on these four issues, and if you do, we will appoint you as the Av Bezdin Israel, as the Av Bezdin for the Jewish people. So they obviously held him in very high regard. Uh, and they basically said that, listen, we are the majority. You need to agree with us. And if you do, we will appoint you as the Av Bezdin. And he refused. And the, the Mishnah says that, um, he responded by saying, Mutav Shoteh. I'd rather be referred to as a fool amongst the people, kol yamai, all of my days, kirasha, and not to be considered an evil person, rasha lefnei hamakam before Hashem. He didn't want people to say that the reason why I relented and gave in to the position of the Chachamim is not because I agreed with them, but because I did it for power. And so therefore he held fast, and the Gemara, the Mishnah there says that the rabbis therefore excommunicated him. Um, so you see uh, on this opinion that he was excommunicated, that he was somebody that was more concerned with what Hashem would think uh, than what people would think. And that fits in very well with what it says, uh, it, You have to consider before who you're going to have to give an accounting and not to be concerned um, with what people think, rather be called a fool all the days of your life than to do something which uh, would be considered um, or viewed negatively by Hashem, by God. The Mishnah goes on to say that Rabbi Huda Bariloi said that, um, that there was a mistake here, that the person that was put into cherem that was excommunicated was not a Kavi B'Mahalalel, it was somebody else. And he insists that there was nobody uh, there was nobody greater uh, in Chachma, in wisdom, and Yerushchet, in fear of sin, than, Rabbi, than Akavi ben Mahalalo, so it's impossible that he was excommunicated, it was somebody else. And so here again you see that Rabbi Huda Bar said that there was nobody greater than him in Yerushchet. 
So it makes sense then that a Kavibim Halala should be the one to teach us the Histaka Bishloshidvaram Vyat Balidea Vera. Um, I failed to mention uh, earlier that the first two prakim we've explained that there is a misora uh, that is laid down for us of how the Torah is given from generation to generation. And that ends uh, in Perik Beis. We had Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai and his five students, and then that takes us more or less to the end of the second Perik. What exactly is the order from the third Perik of Perik and on? The Mepharshim explained, the Dongen the Rejbat, says that there is no order, um, which is a little difficult to understand, but we don't see that there's a discussion of the Mesorah here. And so it makes sense that Akavi Bemalalal, even though he lived in an earlier generation, is mentioned here in Perik Shlishi, um, because we finished the Mesorah, and now we're going back to listing the Chachamim and the various teachings, because this has nothing to do with the Mesorah. Now, Akavi Bemalalal, um, interestingly enough, um, is brought down as, uh, as an aside, is brought down as a proof against a tshuva of the Mabit. There's an interesting tshuva of the Mabit, where the Mabit says, a person should not name their child referring to a name that existed before Avram Avinu. So even though the names may have been listed in the Torah, uh, he said that a person should not List um, should not name their child after somebody who lived before Avram Avinu. And he says if somebody does, then he is It's basically something that is very much a negative thing and Hashem is not pleased with him. The Chidah questions this and he says, first of all, the Mabit says it without any kind of Makor. Uh, if he would have just simply said that it's preferable to choose a name from Avram Avinu and on, I would have kept quiet and not said anything. But because he said that such a person is I have to uh, push back because, first of all, we have Akavi ben Mahalalel. Mahalalel, if you go back to say Parshas Bereshis, you'll see that he was actually, a, I think, a grandson of Enosh. So he, what, that was a name of somebody that existed before Avram Avinu. And we see there's a Tana that was named Akavi ben Mahalalel. Also, there's a Gemara that quotes uh, Amora, an Amora by the name of Rabbi Yamin Bar Yefes. We know Yefes was the son of Noach. Uh, so clearly, that was also a name of somebody who existed prior to Avram Avinu. So how do we understand um, this Mabit? Um, I've heard someone suggest, not taking such a hard line as the Mabit, that there is definitely a preference to choosing names that existed um, only after Avram Avinu, but we still find that people named children uh, uh, after the, the names that existed before Avram Avinu. So, for example, Adam, uh, Noach, Chanoch. Um, and what I've heard is that um, we're not Makbid, even um, um, uh, based on this Shuvah the Makbid, we're not Makbid if a person chooses a name uh, that was for somebody who was a great person at Tzaddik. So we know Noach was a Tzaddik, the Torah tells us. Adam was uh, the Yitzir Kapa of the creations of Hashem. Chanoch, it says, Vaisala Chanoch Um So therefore, there's not as much of a hakpada, a concern, uh, when such names are chosen. But names that, um, not uh, names necessarily of great people, uh, the uh, preference is to only choose names from Avram Vinu and on. I did see that um, 
the Sefer, um, I believe it's the Sefer Tshuvas Van Hagas, he says that the Hakpad is only if you choose that name alone, but if you combine it with another name, like for example, if somebody chooses the name Avraham Noach, that's okay. Uh, and then I saw quoted from Rebchaim Kanievsky that if you're naming somebody who is not uh, an individual that lived after Avraham Avinu, but solely based on the biblical personality that existed before Avraham Avinu, that's where the Hakpada uh, lies. But if you're naming after a grandfather or a great-grandfather or somebody who lived post-Avraham Avinu, then there's no Hakpada even according to the Mabit. But that's an aside point. Uh, Kavi Bem Halalal is used as an example by the Chidah to counter the, um, the opinion of the Mabit. But getting back to our discussion of a Kavi Bem and what is it about his teaching, why did he differ from Rebbe? Uh, and really the question is, why did Rebbe differ from Rekavi Bimahalalel? Because if you focus on the timeline, Rekavi Bimahalalel lived in the time of the Second Temple, the time of the Second Beis Hamikdash, whereas Rebbe Yehuda Nasi lived about 150 years or so later. So why didn't Rebbe, uh, who only took on one of the three things of Rekavi Bimahalalel, focusing on the da mala mala mimcha. Why didn't he take on the other two things of me'ayin basa will anatoholech? So the me'am loyes says a very very beautiful explanation to give us insight uh, into this, and he says as follows. He says basically that there are two reasons uh, or things that contribute towards sin. One is a lack of faith, a lack of belief in God. And the other is, even if a person has a strong uh, faith and belief in God, but he may be overcome by his Yetzirah, by his evil inclination, by his desire, and not be able to withstand the test. So those two things um, are being addressed, uh, each one, by each of the Tanoim that are listed. And it's really dependent on the period in which they lived and the challenges of the times. So Akavya B'mahalalel, who lived in the Zman of the Beis HaMikdash, the Second Temple, where um, people witnessed the uh, tremendous um, Divine Presence, there were daily miracles taking place in the Temple, and three times a year, multitudes, tens of thousands of Jewish people were Ola Regel and went up to Yerushalayim. So there was a very strong feeling of Amuna. And um, Klai Yisrael did not need chizuk. They did not need strengthening in their amuna. It says, he, he brings down, Everybody felt the divine presence. And therefore, the focus of Akavya B'mahalala was not on strengthening amuna because that didn't need to be strengthened. What needed to be strengthened was how to overcome the desire of the Yetzirah, of the evil inclination. So therefore, he focused on the three things of Dama'ay and Basa, Lana Tehoilech, Rabbi Yudha Anasi, on the other hand, lived about 150 years or so after the Beis HaMikdash, where Klai Yisrael did not see the, um, did not feel the Divine Presence. The, the Temple was destroyed. The Jewish people were dispersed in the Diaspora. Uh, there was a feeling of uh, forsakenness, the fact that, um, you know, maybe Hashem, Chas uh, V'Shalom, rejected us, and that's what some of the other nations were saying. So therefore, they, their emuna needed to be strengthened. And that's why Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi focused on strengthening emuna because that's what he felt his generation needed. And he focused on 
You should know that even though you don't feel Hashem's presence, and at times it feels like we've been forsaken, God forbid, you should know Ayin Raya, He sees everything, Ozen Shamas, He hears everything, never give up. Your prayers, although you may not feel um, an immediate response uh, or reaction, He's listening. And everything Hashem watches and everything Hashem records. So Rabbi Yehuda Nasi felt that what his generation needed was the strengthening of Amuna. Uh, Rabbi Yehuda Nasi, uh, who organized the Mishnayis, felt that it was important to include both because we, uh, today, um, 18, 1900 years later, uh, need Chizuk in both areas. We need Chizuk in our Amuna, and that's why um, he quoted his his teachings of three, and we also need a chizuk in how to overcome the uh, Yetzirah and the Taivas of the Yetzirah, and therefore he quoted a Kavib and But the two were not disagreeing, the two were each addressing the challenges of the time. Thank you very much.